Meet Megan. Hi. A professional wedding photographer and professional wedding planner, Emily. Hey there. Together with 20 years experience in planning, designing and shooting all things wedding, they'll discuss how it's so much more than pretty pictures and a fun party. Welcome to Wedding Therapy, a podcast exploring why it is that weddings bring out the best and worst in people and how to navigate relationships and conflicts during the wedding planning process and beyond. Hello, and welcome to the Wedding Therapy Podcast. That's Emily Sutherland. And that is Megan Lubeck. I am so excited about our guest today. She's very special, very important to me. Uh, Her name is Debbie, and I've known Debbie since I was in high school. We met at church. I I didn't realize that until we were just talking. Yeah, she actually, (laughs) I don't know, we've never talked about this, but she wanted to do like a essentially like a Bible study, step study, recovery thing with me. And I always joke about how I'm like, yeah, she just saw me and was like, this girl needs help. That is not true. <laughs> wait, when you were in high school? Yeah. How, wait, but how old in high school? Because you could be like 14 I, or 18. No, I think I was like a junior or senior. Oh, okay. I was yeah. older. Oh. But yeah, we've known each other a long time. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. And the thing I remember is Ariel. I had a drama her ministry. Hair? Well, I had a I did a drama ministry, and so I oh. I cast her as Ariel. Obviously, yes, <laughs> it's the role you were literally born to do. <laughs> we talk about your hair a lot on this podcast, yeah. which is funny because this is a non-visual form of. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So I asked Debbie if she would come on here because she just recently completed her master's and is now a professional clinical counselor. And the reason this is significant... Associate. Associate. Yeah, associate. (laughs) The reason this is significant is because uh, I also started going back to school, but Debbie and I have been having this conversation for, I want to say, at least two years now, Mm -hmm. where I kept saying, well, I'm. uh, (laughs) it's been 10 years, and it's going to be seven years before I could even practice, and blah, blah, blah. And Debbie was always like, well seven years are going to pass anyway. So do you want to be a therapist or not? I love that. That is such a profound way of thinking. (laughs) Like seven years are, you can't stop them from Mm -hmm. coming. Wow. I love that. And so she's a huge reason why I'm even back in school and I'm very proud of her. And do you want to share a little bit about, I guess, what brought you to the place you're in with your work at the moment? Sure. This is pretty significant. Yeah, um, so I'm a little older than the <laughs> both of you. <laughs> um, I guess it was, I think it was about 2017. I'm really fuzzy on the timeline, but it doesn't really matter. Same, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so I had a, I had a couple of um, life events that mm. sort of propelled me to get started. I really always, like my husband's told me my for as long as I've known him, which is a hundred years, but um, <laughs> you know that I should should be a counselor. That and people always talked to me and always mm. shared their deepest, darkest thoughts and secrets and everything with me. And that's just always been is that a like privilege. Your, your role in your friend group and the people mm. in your life—it just kind of naturally often, oh, yeah, often. And um, so, anyway, I, I somewhere around. 2017, 16, I think somewhere. Um, I had a 
kind of a, a major event in our family mm-hmm. uh, with my son. And um, I found myself thinking um, more and more about it. And I honestly, I felt like God was just telling me, you need to go do this now. But, um, you know, I, I all those same things that Megan was even saying. I'm like, gosh, I'm 50-something years old. You know, what the heck? Yeah. But um, at the time, I was thinking, you know, I know if I go do this, I can't be my therapist to my son. I can't, I can't be my son's therapist, mm-hmm. you know. I can't um, fix him. But I can sure learn how not to make it worse. Mm. And oh, I love that way of thinking. That was part of my motivation. And then um, I had been really involved in Celebrate Recovery at our church. And a, a friend passed away. And I was mm. sitting at her memorial service. And she was about my same age. And I just I felt like this not so still small voice said, what are you waiting for? Mm. And... Um, I said, okay, I'll take the next step. And I just did that. I just took one step and then mm-hmm. the next and the next and the next. And honestly, before you know it, you're done with school, you mm-hmm. know, and you're doing something you love. Mm-hmm. And it's That's pretty incredible. So, incredible. so I guess that would be my, my motivational speech for the day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you're thinking about doing it, just do it. Mm-hmm. I just love do that. it. Yeah. Can I just ask like a super practical question? Sure. Um, did you study this in undergrad or like That's I wouldn't even great... know the first <laughs> or I wouldn't even know the first like you just said one step after the other yeah. my assumption would be square one but well I think that's a great question and it's it's just another piece of how it seems like my life mm. was always meant to be this way mm. my undergrad degree was in human development and learning oh. um way 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 back when I you know got uh-huh. a bachelor's degree I was on track to do teaching so I had oh. that degree which in, you know encompassed learning about human development and psychology and all kinds of things related to counseling so oh. yeah I already had that did you have to because I imagine like the actual degrees mm-hmm. have changed over mm-hmm. the years so were there things that you had to re- I don't know, like prerequisites that you didn't have from the first one that you had to start or? I was so fortunate that everything from my undergrad degree carried, Mm. you know, just it. So it really was. It met all the requirements. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to do anything. I went straight to the master's. I didn't know how to be a counselor the first thing I did was google it (laughs) I love that that's also really just good advice (laughs) that's kind of how we did this podcast yeah I mean I seriously just googled it and I was like it's this okay get a master's in counseling and I thought okay so where do I get a master's in counseling and I googled that wow (laughs) so yeah is that the title like what is the title of your master's it's master's in counseling oh okay so you could get a master's in psychology or master's in counseling oh yeah what's the difference it depends on what school you go to and what they offer i was gonna say i think it's also based on research Mm -hmm. like what you want to do with it Mm -hmm. so i think because when i was talking to a counselor about whether i was going to go to a uc or csu i was like what's the difference and why right and she said well ucs are usually more focused on research versus like being in the in the field Mm -hmm. like like helping people yeah got it oh 
because I feel like we had this conversation. Maybe it was with Alan. Um, what's the difference between psychology and psychiatry? Psychiatry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's there's a distinct difference oh, yeah, in yeah. that. Yeah, so that's, psychiatrists are medical doctors. Doctors, yeah, right. They can write prescriptions. They're MDs. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, <clears throat> but psychologist and counselor is a little bit similar. Psychologists can do counseling. Got it. You know, but they also have, um, they have advanced training in doing things like assessments. Got it. Okay. Counseling, you can do certain assessments in your counseling practice, Mm -hmm. but um, there's a whole level of of assessment work Mm. that psychologists are uniquely trained to do. So like, for example, if you were in, like, they could be called for a court case. Because they're going to be able to assess something that necess- like you may not. I don't know the answer to that for sure, but I, I do know that this <laughs> I know, to like sorry, a true crime. Yeah. <laughs> we're, I love we're it. We're on a re- rabbit trail. But... I love it. I was like, ooh, I'm like thinking of Law and Order episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, let's okay, let's say you have a child and you need the child assessed for, for being on the autism spectrum. Mm. You know, uh, I was just going to ask that. Okay. Um, ADHD or you know that would be a psychologist yeah got it I was just thinking because the way I talk about my life it made me second guess because we were just talking about marriage Mm -hmm. counseling Mm -hmm. and I would say oh I went to see a marriage counselor but if I went by myself I would say I went and saw my therapist Mm. and it got me thinking I was like am I misusing is my therapist a counselor but I'm and is my marriage counselor a therapist? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, am I interchanging these words? Right. I don't know. Anyways, just got me thinking about that. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was meant to be. So, yeah. You I think so. went to school. And how long did. did it take you? Well, the master's program is two years. Oh, okay. And as far as I know, my program, you could do two years or three years. I'm like, oh, I'm too old to take three years. Yeah. No, I'm doing the two year track. So. Is it just a more like a, a slower pace? Intense. Uh, oh, yeah. The two years. years. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Same program, but just mm-hmm. way more intense and Got fast it. and Got getting it. it done. So, um, so there's two years and the second year you begin seeing clients. So you, you begin a practicum and then an internship. So, um, I've been seeing clients since August of 2017. Awesome. No, 2018. Okay. 2018. And um, how do you get them? Is it on wow. you to get them? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's an interesting part of it, too. And I kind of landed where I landed by, I swear, divine <laughs> appointment because it just fell in front of me. I'm at the free clinic of Simi Valley. Oh. Which is a nonprofit, and cool. we provide medical, dental, legal, and um, counseling services. Yeah, wow. to anyone, um, regardless of you know income anything. or insurance or anything. We don't. Yeah, so we ask you, for donations. Okay, but um, yeah, so I I started there at the very beginning of my practicum, and I've been there ever since. And um, wow. I probably will stay there you know, the full time of getting my pre-licensed hours. You have to get 3,000 hours pre-licensed wow. before you can even take the exam to get a license. Got it, got it. Wow, so at a free clinic, I bet mm-hmm. you see just a spectrum. I definitely do. And one of the really unique things about my particular 
uh-huh. free clinic. The yeah. location is that our director is also a registered play therapist supervisor. So she trains us mm. and supervises us in play therapy in addition to... What is play? Like yeah, P-L-A-Y. I see your face. <laughs> I was like, is that an acronym or is that play? No, it's play. So, um, you know, we've been trained in sand tray therapy. Um, you can use with children or adults. Sorry. <laughs> um, Wait, with adults? Sand tray, yes. Oh. Sand tray is powerful um, oh. with adults really really amazing it's 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 a form of expressive therapy so often in the therapy process um in all kinds of different ages and situations and relationships people don't necessarily have the words Mm -hmm. yeah so people children adults whatever don't always have the words to express what's going on inside Mm -hmm. but sometimes when you use expressive therapy like art or sand tray um Hmm. allowing the psyche to do what it wants to do putting things in the sand tray and creating a world and then just talking about it or um certain art Hmm. projects or things that we can do in counseling people find amazing things that they didn't even realize were underneath interesting yeah that is pretty cool interesting yeah so do you see children and Mm -hmm. adults i do awesome Mm -hmm. and with children um i've i've been trained in there's different kinds of play therapy but child directed uh child-centered play therapy is um the overarching sort of picture of what we do Mm. we do we do use directed therapy too but um child-centered play therapy allows the child to come into the room and and so this principle really applies with kids that I would imagine you know they don't have the words to Mm -hmm. say what's going on inside but you will see it in their play wow Mm -hmm. now when you say directed therapy is that just like sitting across from a therapist and answering questions is that what you mean um, I was specifically meaning in like directed play therapy oh, or it, directed sand tray or got something. It, got it, got it, so okay. instead of just saying, oh, you know, put something in the sand tray, mm-hmm. then I might say, well, you know, you're talking about how um, how angry you were or are, you know, with this person in the situation or whatever. Why don't you try and put that in the sand tray and see what we see? I see. That makes sense. Got so it. that would be directed as opposed to just, you know, client-centered. Got where, it. Where they do it on their own. Got it. Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Yeah. I've never done anything like that before. So. so off the air, we kind of talked about what your biggest passions are. We usually mm-hmm. like to ask guests that because then it just gets them to talk about what they love yeah um so what would you say are your biggest passions in terms of counseling and I guess what you see or think is most effective Mm -hmm. um I would say my 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 passions definitely are in working with trauma um and then I also feel this really strong so there's (laughs) (laughs) so 
many yeah. things. Well, obviously. I feel like you have to kind of love it all to yeah. get your masters in yeah. it for sure. You but do. but yes. Um, I mentioned that there's there's a type of couples therapy that I'm also really, really interested in and I began the the training in it. I don't feel qualified to talk about it, certainly not like an expert, but it's something that I would highly recommend for your listeners, anybody getting married or in marriage Mm -hmm. that's got issues. I feel like uh, emotionally focused therapy, EFT, EFT. is, uh, it's just incredible. A way of working that that helps two people, um, both my experience, my limited experience with it you know I see that both people get to be validated and experience what they are experiencing in the relationship but the therapist helps them to understand that when 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 this happens whatever this conflict happens um, what how you respond lands in that person's most wounded place and then how they respond it lands in that person's most wounded place and this type of therapy helps people to understand what's underneath that dance that they do Mm. and i think that um to me that's the biggest thing about it is that we all couples all relationships even friendships we have a dance that Mm -hmm. we do you know and to me therapy is about changing that dance Mm -hmm. so that it's um more healthy and um oriented towards resolution and Mm -hmm. and um connection because that's the other piece is that i truly believe we are hardwired for relationship we need it it's a basic human need to be connected Mm -hmm. and so that's my other passion or maybe even my primary passion trauma is one of those things that that disconnects us mm. from yeah, from definitely. our partner, from each other, um, mm. from the world. Mm. Yeah. And so that's that's my other passion mm. is trying to help people unlock the trauma that I I believe is stuck in our bodies and it yeah. needs to get out. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite things that I've learned about I guess therapy or whatever and maybe it's just because I feel like I have personal experience with it but the way that our mind and body is connected Mm -hmm. and the way that um, your body will figure out a way to get it out Mm -hmm. and usually it's in a way that uh, we're not happy with or we would prefer it not to be but that's usually because we aren't doing it the right way (laughs) your body's like okay well you're not doing this so I'm going to do it for you Mm -hmm. Um, which I love on just a purely like practical level because mm-hmm. I feel like I have been in counseling sessions that like even the way you described it I was like oh I've like been in therapy like this but I don't know if I, I was ever told EFT like I, I've never heard that mm-hmm. acronym before so for on a consumer level if a couple is interested and they're like this sounds like something I need or want to explore would you look for a therapist who like lists EFT as one of their things because I don't know if I was aware that Mm -hmm. my therapist was doing it but like 
I have been in a room having conversations that feels very similar mm-hmm. to what you mm-hmm. just said. Yeah, I absolutely would. Um, I think people who have heard anything about it have probably heard of Sue Johnson mm. and the Hold Me Tight, her book, Hold yes, Me Tight. I love that book. Okay, so this is Sue Johnson's um, method. Mm. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I mean, yes, my short answer is yes, definitely. I would look for someone who is trained in that. Okay. Um, because mm. it's, it's so specifically uh, geared towards recreating that connection. Mm. Like mo- in most couples too, um, when we come together, we build each other up in those areas of deficit you know mm, we we, yeah. we say and do just what the other person needs <laughs> to feel the best they can fos- possibly feel about themselves right, right? Mm. and then when the conflicts happen that comes crashing that down. come crashing yeah and so the the whole you know end goal of of that therapy I believe is to restore and bring couples back to that place where they realize that oh yeah I chose this person because they really made me feel good about myself, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and helping couples get out of that dance that's mm. tearing things apart and begin to dance in a way that brings them together. So I don't know if you're willing to share this story, um, mm-hmm. but it, when you said the dance thing, it reminded me of the comment that John made to you. <laughs> Do you <laughs> mind sharing that? No, uh-uh. So, um, John's her husband, by the way, John's my (laughs) husband. I've been married 31 years and, um, I would say we've been to hell and back, you know, (laughs) I love that. That was like, no, like honest, (laughs) you know, um, and for many, many, many years we were stuck Mm. in just an awful, awful way of hurting each other. Mm. And, um, there was a series of events that um, basically broke me, mm. broke my own pride and brought me on my face. And um, as a result, I started seriously, deeply working on myself. And I had done therapy since college off and on, but mm. I really, really started looking at the the dysfunctional patterns that I had and the things that I was doing that were just killing my relationship and me. Mm. So as I started doing that work and making the changes, um, things started to be different. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to think of how how to wrap it into that story that you're thinking of. But essentially, I guess, um, you would have to just skip through the long very very long story of of how we got there but um there was a point in our marriage where we finally everything blew up and Mm -hmm. we were working towards um doing it better Mm -hmm. and john now tells people that um we had this game where he would hit the ball against the wall, and then I would hit the ball against the wall, and <laughs> oh. then he would hit the ball, and then I would hit the ball. Yeah. And he says, you know, one day she just walked away and stopped playing. And after a while, it wasn't very fun to just keep hitting the ball against the wall <laughs> by myself. Right. And right. so if effectively, 
my changing me uh-huh. and just working on me instigated change in him. Mm-hmm. You cannot, can't say this strongly enough, we cannot go into the process of change and working on ourselves with the intent or hope that it's going to change someone else. Mm-hmm. We have to be fully, wholly, completely working on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that when one person steps out of the dance, the dance is going to change. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's going to change for the better. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's all going to fall apart. But at the end of the day, you can't control That's what right. the other person does. Nope. So, and, and at you're the end just of the day, be tired trying <coughs> to change them. Yeah. And ultimately, probably making yourself worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so if you if you do approach it and do that mm-hmm. work for yourself and grow and develop, you mm-hmm. know, in the ways that, that you can now be a healthy human being, that relationship, whether it makes it or not, you will be a healthier person going into the next one. Mm-hmm. I love that. In my case, I was just incredibly blessed that my changing the dance changed him mm-hmm. in a way that made things better mm-hmm. um it didn't make it perfect we're still well yeah we're still <laughs> the same people <laughs> but right. i i was very very fortunate in in that my changing the dance ended up well for me mm-hmm. but it doesn't always happen that way mm. well, you so on that happy note yeah i was just gonna <laughs> i was literally just gonna say so speaking of trauma uh-huh. <laughs> you had mentioned earlier that that's one of your passions mm-hmm. and Part of what like has directed you on this path mm-hmm. through your career um would you say that I, I think that most humans think that their trauma is unique mm-hmm. and special yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> why i don't know like why do we hold on to it like this totem of pride <laughs> um but you being on the other side of it because mm-hmm. like I, I i'm not talking i mean i am talking to people but like I don't see people's stories and hear people's stories probably to the extent that you would. Do you find that everyone's trauma is pretty similar? Not, not to like downgrade it, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, the, my dad's a literature teacher. So like there's, there's only like, what is it? Four stories ever told. There's like the hero journey of the hero. There's like, and every story is just taking that route and expounding upon it. And I wonder if trauma is similar. Like, hmm. like everyone feels like their trauma is so particular and well, so the like details of the their detail, story are different. Right. right. But it's like, I'm curious from a counselor's perspective. It's like, well, yeah, everyone's trauma either comes from a burnt relationship with your mom, (laughs) an absent dad, or like a scorned lover. Like, I feel like I wonder if it's our lives are just being played out like the stories, you know? (laughs) I mean, that could be a completely off base thing, but I feel like the more we talk about the more couples we bring on, the more therapists we talk to, I'm starting to feel like, we're all so similar Mm -hmm. and our traumas are not that unique. I think not to make a negative. No, I I think I get what you're, what you're trying to to say. (laughs) Horribly. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so both things are true. Mm. And, and ultimately, yeah, everybody's experience, everybody's 
traumatic experiences are unique to them. Right. And and actually a good um, a good point to remember in that is that the two people can experience the exact same trauma and have a completely different response to it. Oh, yeah, true. So part of that is based on um, how resilient they are, what needs they had mm. that were met well or weren't met well mm-hmm. um, as an infant, as a child, or throughout life experience, you know. So mm-hmm. even the same trauma can affect can affect two different people very, very differently. That kind of makes me think of, um, have you read that Malcolm Gladwell book where he talks about, it's like talking about memory mm. and how like we cannot trust our own memory. And that mm. made me think like we could have both been in the same car accident mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the facts of that car accident are, are the right. sim- are the same, mm-hmm. but you could walk away having a completely different memory of it Mm -hmm. than I do. And I wonder if that plays into it, like the way our brains work. Well, I think that comes down to also like coping, right? Like we all Mm. have a different way of choosing to cope with the situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that coping kind of, kind of like what I'm saying about being resilient. Right. You know, that's the way you, yeah. Mm -hmm. The, the set of, like John Townsend would say, there's a set of capacities that you need mm. to deal with the realities of life. Mm-hmm. And those capacities were all, have all been developed throughout your life. And we're still working on them, you know. But how well your capacities have been developed will determine how you respond to that, to mm. that trauma. Mm. But the thing about trauma that fascinates me the most is that um, so much research now finds that it is important to tell your story, of course. Your story is unique to you, it's important to you, and it matters, and it's good to tell it. But resolving the trauma is primarily about releasing it from your body. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I always say, I know I've told Megan this probably <laughs> so many times, but um, one of my favorite books is The Body Keeps the Score. Oh, my gosh. Megan has talked about this book. <laughs> I was, like, on the edge of my seat being like, oh, what, what is new it? book is she going to tell us about? And I'm like, oh, Megan's been talking about this forever. <laughs> we'll oh. still put a link to it in the episode notes in case you're new. But, yes, tell me all about you, why you oh. love it. Well, so the, the, the way of working with trauma that most appeals to me um, and the area that I'm, I'm getting, I'm working towards getting certified in is called TRIM training. Mm-hmm. So it's trauma resiliency model. And basically we work with tracking what you feel in your body at any given moment. Um, and, and even the first six skills of this model are just resiliency skills that everybody can learn. You don't need a therapist to teach you. Hmm. They're just um, ways that you can increase your resiliency to life. And then and then the like next level of that work is um, is actually taking a traumatic experience and reprocessing it by using these skills. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So, yeah, so 
largely it's about paying attention to what you feel in your body, Mm -hmm. learning to notice it, and then in some ways um, in the therapeutic situation, we look for signs, um, impulses that the body wants to make or Mm -hmm. do that help to release the trauma from the body. Interesting. So when you say like, like I'm what I'm hearing is like a body scan mm-hmm. and like feeling like where like where are you feeling mm-hmm. trauma it feels a little abstract to me mm-hmm. are you talking about a like an actual like my chest hurts mm-hmm. when I just in general or when I'm recalling a trauma both <gasps> because even right now as she was talking I started doing it and I was like my jaw feels tight I was like realizing that I was clenching my feet like Mm -hmm. my toes Mm -hmm. and then I was like okay just just relax right now to hear talking Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say this is a traumatic experience no so it's just your daily life the way you're holding on almost so much of so much of trauma is residual in the body Mm -hmm. and um because Gosh. trust me, I'd rather it be only when I was experiencing a traumatic event. <laughs> because I, as much as you talk about this book, I think I've always, when I hear you, I associate that with like, for example, I experienced a traumatic ex- uh, incident before Thanksgiving and where my house got broken into and I was home alone. Mm. And I was just telling Megan when I... Uh, being a firefighter wife Mm -hmm. uh, this is something that Mm -hmm. i i don't know if you've ever but we're a home we're we sleep alone Mm -hmm. often Mm -hmm. mine arguably one third of Mm -hmm. my nights are alone and to me when i've heard you talk about this book and this like holding like trauma in the body Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of like how when i'm home alone and i feel like i hear something similar to that break in my body immediately start sweating like dripping sweat my chest hurts Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm immediately transported back to that night that that happened and I I literally can't control it Mm -hmm. it's but what you're saying is you're just having a casual conversation with friends and you're feeling Mm -hmm. you're feeling a body reaction Mm -hmm. and I would love to get your take on that like what the difference is between Emily's experience and mine and why. (laughs) I think we need like an hour and a half. (laughs) I love how every time we bring a therapist on, I try and get a free session (laughs) without realizing it. That's my (laughs) strategy. (laughs) It's my trauma that I, (laughs) but I mean, in, in short. Okay. If I can do like a short answer. So we're both, Describing what you're describing, you're, but in just you're both ways. describing a somatic experience. Okay, you're both ex- describing okay. something that's happening in your body, mm-hmm. and you have two very different reasons. Probably, we don't really know what Megan's um, reason for feeling this is right at the moment. Podcasting like, with me, but <laughs> podcasting with <laughs> what? <laughs> but this is actually a, a great example because the the trauma doesn't live in the story it lives Mm -hmm. in the body 
So whatever the reason is that is bringing up those mm-hmm. feelings in Megan, mm-hmm. there's work there that can be done to mm-hmm. release it from her body so that it will happen less and mm-hmm. less and mm-hmm. less. In your case, you have a very specific trauma that it would be beneficial to do actual work through that event. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece of it would be this tracking paying attention to your body mm. and being able to to train your body to be more resilient mm-hmm. so that um so so two different things right but the same sort of end result is that we retrain the nervous system mm. to be more regulated interesting so to kind of put it i guess with maybe some of our listeners who Could this also be like if you're if you have to have a hard conversation Mm -hmm. with your partner or sister or mom, I bet there's a lot of body nerve like Mm -hmm. your nervous system reacting. I know. I mean, Mm -hmm. depending on the situation, everyone has different experiences, but I know I've heard the term body scan Mm -hmm. um, more talking about like meditation and I'm hearing you say body scan and it feels similar, but different. And I'm wondering if there's like a practical thing or like tool for people's toolbox that if you're in a meeting and mm-hmm. you notice there your toes are clenched or if you're laying in bed scared, is there like yeah. a thing that you can do I don't know I'm all about the practical (laughs) (laughs) no great question I'm really glad you said that because I was sitting here thinking you know we've just thrown something out there that we really haven't given people any clue what to do with right and it's not doing yeah yeah and it's not that I can you know that we can do all of that in this brief conversation but Yes, that there are things that you can do to do to find yourself um, to bring yourself back into mm-hmm. a place of calm and settle. And so the benefit of doing that body scan is that Megan's aware of where her toes are clenching mm-hmm. and um, I said her my jaw jaw is yeah. tight. Oh, jaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, there's there are several different things. One very very simple one. Uh, all of these are generally generally can fall under the category of grounding techniques but mm. one very simple thing is to to put your focus on where your body's touching the ground you know like put your focus on your feet oh. put your focus on how your bottom is sitting in the chair you know mm-hmm. feel the chair behind your back feel it underneath your legs you know Pay attention to what parts of your body are being supported. Mm. And you just notice that. And then another piece of that would be to take deep breaths, long, slow, deep breaths. We know this absolutely calms the nervous system down. It's a physical thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a psychological thing. Mm -hmm. It it physically calms the nervous system down when we take long, slow, slow, deep Mm -hmm. breaths in and out and then uh, my one of my favorite ones that I I give my clients is um five four three two one look around the room and you can do this in 
internally, you mm-hmm. know, in your head, or you can say it out loud, but mm-hmm. you look around the room and name five things that you see. Hmm. Look around the room and um, name five things that you touch, that you're, you know, that you feel, mm-hmm. but not feelings. We're talking about, like you know, physically. the sensation yeah, of yeah. touch, right? I can feel my jeans mm. on my legs right now. I can feel the straps of my sandals. I can feel my hair mm-hmm. um, um, touching my neck. You know, four things that you can feel. Three things that you hear. Two things that you smell or that you like the smell of because there won't always be multiple things. Right. And one thing that you taste or you like the taste of. So five, four, three, two, one. It's your five senses. And you go through those five things, like I said, either internally or verbally. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you're engaging your thinking brain. And when we engage our thinking brain, it calms down our emotional brain. Mm. And the emotional brain is the reason that the body is having these reactions. Fascinating. I've never heard that before. You're mm. smiling like you totally know this. Do you know this? Um, I've actually never done the things that oh. she said. <laughs> I was like, you have this knowing look on your face. No, I think I'm just thinking through, like even this morning on my way, I went to a doctor's appointment and I could tell my back mm. and neck have been hurting me. And, um, and I literally sat in the car and I sat up straight and I like, I just tried to breathe in really deep. Mm. And so I was just kind of, I, some of what I, she was talking about, I haven't tried, but some of it I can relate to just in the sense of like, what's good for you and what's good for your body even if you don't really understand why or how it works that like there's something about breath totally that is so pivotal to us (laughs) yeah and also I've noticed that I mean I don't know about all the time but that I tend to be a shallow breather Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. another aspect of I think trauma and mm. things like that. And so breathing is a big one. But anyway, I was mainly just smiling and listening because I enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I mean, me too. Me too. Oh, I love it. Um, well, I know that we need to wrap up soon, but we did not talk about one thing. Boundaries. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so what I was going to ask you yeah. is if you wanted to stop this and maybe do a separate one that's boundaries. Oh, fascinating. Because this Maybe. has been a decent, we're at, we're at 40 Yeah, and I now. really want to talk about boundaries. So do I. <laughs> and not in five minutes. Me neither. So this is your teaser. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> Part next two. Next episode boundaries. will be boundaries. Well, maybe not next. Well, I was wanting to do it right now. <gasps> oh! <laughs> but I just want to separate them so people sure aren't confused. I wasn't sure if we were talking in real life time or podcast time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right. Okay, so this episode is going to be why Debbie is awesome. Yes. Slash... <laughs> Emily trying to get free therapy. (laughs) Yes. Slash trauma slash somatic experience and your body. Yes. I love it. We're going to talk about boundaries now, which is one of my favorite things in the world. So I know. So can't wait. See you in two weeks. Can oh can I? We didn't let Debbie say (laughs) any. She's all no. I (laughs) no. I just just as we were talking through that last part, it just it occurred to me that that it might be helpful just to say this this one thing that kind of wrap it up brings it together um that that these responses that both of you are having um there there's a part of our brain part of the emotional brain it's called the amygdala 
And it's really important because it protects us from danger. Mm. It tells yes. us when we're in trouble and it, and it serves a purpose, you know. So when that amygdala senses you are in danger, it sends an immediate response through the body that dumps tons of chemicals mm -hmm. and, and hormones into your body and lots of extra blood to your mm -hmm. extremities and the point of it being so you can run away or right. fight. I was just you know? going to say it's your fight it's, or flight. It is yeah. your fight, flight, or freeze, freeze. response. Mm -hmm. But so often when something happens that overwhelms us, um, like a break-in mm -hmm. or like your medical trauma, mm -hmm. what, yeah. whatever, when something happens that overwhelms us, um, the body has all of this stuff happening but we aren't able to release it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's how it gets stuck in the body. And then the second piece of that is that people who have had a lot of traumas throughout <laughs> their life, like repeated traumas, yeah. their amygdala might be a little overactive. It might be s not stuck, but, you know, kind of... Yeah. Almost this always. Is how, this is how we operate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like always on. Always yeah. on, perceiving that you're in danger. So hmm. if you think about that and, and what that means as to what is dumping in your body, yeah. you yeah. know, then no wonder yeah. um, we carry around all kinds of knots yeah. in our stomach and, yeah. and everything. So um, that's why working with um, our bodies and tracking what's happening in our bodies and then learning to find ways to release it mm -hmm. is so important yeah because the response is so fast mm -hmm. that we can't think and yeah. and what's happened is the thinking brain has become overwhelmed yeah so those little grounding exercises and i love such that. that's the point of it is is partly to calm down the nervous mm -hmm. system and get the thinking brain back online. That's so helpful because I was literally just having this conversation with my husband this morning because, um, as you know, mm -hmm. he comes home in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, he was just like, you know, I'm so sorry. I hate that you've... And I was like, well, no, because now it's morning and I'm awake and I'm so frustrated because now my thinking brain is up front mm -hmm. and I'm looking back on my experience and it feels so logical and so easy and I'm like why was my reaction so big and I'm like apologizing I'm like I'm sorry I called you like three times at 2 a.m that's crazy and he looks at me he's all that's not crazy and I'm like no that actually feels really crazy right now because and I'm feeling torn because in the morning it's so logical yeah and I'm like why can't my morning brain tell my 2 a.m. brain and to me I feel like I'm literally losing my marbles but having yeah. you explain it like that I'm like oh that makes total sense my thinking brain was not in the control not seat. engaged yeah it was not yeah. engaged mm -hmm. and and I felt so out of control and then it makes sense why I was so frustrated the next morning sure. because my emotional brain was like totally asleep at that point and mm -hmm. so I I appreciate how you explained it and I feel like a lot of people experience that mm -hmm, just sure. driving to the doctor, yeah. uh, getting in a fight with someone who maybe triggers an emotion or mm -hmm. like me in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so anyways, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sure. This was so good.
I can't wait for next episode. Yeah. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wedding Therapy Podcast, brought to you by Tasteful Tatters and Megan Christine Photography. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We always appreciate hearing from you. Leave a review. It only takes a couple seconds. For more, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Therapy Podcast. And you can always email us at weddingtherapypodcast at gmail.com. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It's so loud. (laughs)